0: Jesus is real. There's power in Your name. We find hope and we trust in Your ways. We need Jesus is real. We view ourselves not based on what our parents were or weren't, the brokenness and the garbage that went on in our lives. We lead out with the fact that Jesus is real, and he died and rose again. And nothing, no circumstances, that old Him, the depths of hell or the schemes of man can never pluck me from his hands.
1: We lead out with that, because that's who we really are. Everything else is just a detail. What things come to mind when you think about who you are? Your identity? Though many things make you, you... Today, Pastor Daniel says that the most important thing about you is that you belong to God. Because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross, you are God's child, totally secure in Him. Nothing and no one can take that identity from you. So just as the Israelites followed the Ark of the Covenant, let God be the center of who you are. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Numbers chapter 10 as he continues his message, leaving but not cleaving. Jesus is
0: real. He's just come over, come to church, listen. No, it's okay, you don't believe. Listen, God is good to us, we'll be good to you. This will be the safest place you're ever at. And sure, you may not believe what we believe, but you know what, you're welcome to be here and we're gonna bless you and we're gonna be, because God is blessing us, we're gonna let you join in the blessings. That's kind of powerful, isn't it? That's a powerful reality. And doesn't it change biblical ideas of evangelism? Doesn't it change that? We simply invite people along for the ride. I was listening to a a teacher and he shared a great story and I'll I'll share it because it, it it totally it got my goat pretty good. He was talking about how he was living in England at the time and he would go to this shop where he would pay for his uh paper subscription and he would go and there was a Muslim guy who who ran this bodega that he would go and paper his paper and so sure enough he got to know this guy and he said to him he's like hey how's things going he's like oh man well I got to redo my building but I'm really nervous because there's another there's another shop right across the way that's just opening. And if I shut my building down, I'm going to lose all my customers. i are going to go over there. And he's just like, oh man. He's like, well, did you pray and ask God to help you? And this guy was a Muslim. And he said, well, listen, I, I can't, because it's, it's if Allah wills. And he said, well, listen, my God answers personal prayer. And he's like, really? He's like, yeah, really. He's like, so, and this guy, this Christian guy, is like, can I write down this prayer and I want you to pray it every day? Because my God answers personal prayer. And he's like, well, Can I pray to him if I don't believe in him? And he's like, sure, because he believes in you. Don't worry about it. It's no problem. And and he asked this guy, he's like, so what would be the perfect outcome of your situation? And this Muslim guy says, listen, that I could open up another shop within sight distance of this shop, and I can refurb my building while I'm working there so I don't lose any customers. And he's like, okay, great. And he wrote down this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, can you open up an opportunity for me to have another shop within sight distance of this shop so that I can redo this other shop and I won't lose any of my customers. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. And so they prayed it together and he gave, the, he gave them the thing and then this guy went away to do some evangelism and on a tour and then he comes back and he goes to look for the shop and it's all boarded up and he hears a knock and it's the shopkeeper, he's in a building right behind on the other side of the street and he's like, come on over. So this guy walks in and this Muslim guy says, your God answered our prayers. Because she said, sure enough, you explained the whole thing. And God literally opened up the door for this guy. And he's like, I think I need to know more about Jesus. Can you tell me about Jesus? Now, how many of us feel a little uneasy about that kind of an interaction? Telling someone, listen, you can pray. To the Lord God in Jesus name Even though you don't believe in him Do you think if someone doesn't believe in Jesus And they pray that Jesus Yeah I'm not listening to you I mean how many of us Cried out to the Lord Before we knew who he was I remember my first prayer I was an unbeliever I said God I don't know if you're real Or if these people are crazy They're probably crazy and I'm probably on the edge If you're real Will you reveal yourself to me in a way that I can understand. That was not a believing prayer. But our God answers personal prayer. When was the last time you just said to someone. Listen I know you don't believe in Jesus. But I do. Why don't we pray. If you really want that. And we'll see what God does. And you invite somebody who doesn't believe. To belong. Because you know what happens when someone belongs. Long enough. Long enough. They believe because they see the hand of the Lord and the land of the living. See, Moses invites Hobab along. and He doesn't say, listen, because he's a Midianite. Right? So the Midianites, the Jewish people were just the only group of people who believed in one God. The Midianites had a whole ton of gods. Polytheism. They believed in the God of this and the God of that. And he invites Listen, our God is blessing us, and he's going to bless you because you're with us. And we're going to pass along God's blessing to you. And I love that because look at what happens. In verse 30, he said to him, I will not go, but I will depart to my own land and to my own relatives. See, the first invite, Hobab turns him down. He's like, no, 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 listen, bro. You go. I'm going to go back to my own family. And then Moses says to him again, he says, please do not leave in as much as you know how we are to camp in the wilderness. And you can be our eyes. And it shall be, if you go with us, indeed, it shall be that whatever good the Lord will do to us, the same he will do to you. Know what I love about Moses. Moses is like, oh, yeah, I tried. He said, no, I'm done. Moses actually pleads with his brother-in-law. Just, just come with us. It's going to be good. God's going to bless us, and we're going to bless you. And Judges chapter 1, verse 6 indicates that Hobab was the eyes of the children of Israel. So Moses' simple encouragements, come along and see for yourself. Come along. Because God is blessing us, we will bless you. And my friends, I believe that God wants us to be that way. Just invite people along for the ride. Just be like, listen, come on. God's blessing, and God will, I'll bless you because God's blessing me. What a powerful testimony that is, isn't it? Not like we'd expect, though. You'd expect, man, no, listen, you've got to believe this and this and th- Not that we don't go there, but we realize that people, when they experience the reality of God, will believe in that God. And you and I know what it's like to have intellectual understanding about God, but actually not really trust him. But over time, as you see God's faithfulness and God's blessing, that becomes something that promotes our faith. So Look at what happens in verse 33. So they departed from the mountain of the Lord on a journey of three days and the ark of the covenant of the Lord went before them for the three days journey to search out a resting place for them. Verse 34, and the cloud of the Lord was above them by day when they went out from the camp. And so it was, whenever the ark set out, That Moses said, rise up, O Lord, let your enemies be scattered and let those who hate you flee before you. And when it rested, he said, return, O Lord, to the many thousands of Israel. So what you have here is that they're going and the Ark of the Covenant is leading the way. Now, remember the Ark of the Covenant. That was the one piece of furniture that in the tabernacle was behind the veil in what they call the Holy of Holies right? And the high priest was only allowed to go in once a year on Yom Kippur with a blood offering. It was the most sacred place. There was that box, that cover of it was called the mercy seat, which we get our New Testament word propitiation from. So it says Jesus is our propitiation. That's a big theological word, a word that we don't use very much. It literally means that Jesus is our mercy seat. He is the place where the blood was shed, For the forgiveness of sins. Jesus is that. He is the propitiation. But that led the way. And now, you know I'm going to make an application of that for us. Because our lives need to be led by the finished work of Jesus. Our lives should not be led by our political affiliation. We shouldn't lead with our political affiliation. We shouldn't lead with our who we think should win the Super Bowl. Or who we think should win the World Series or who are, and I don't know, I know some of you are really, it's a big thing, right? What's going on right now with the World Series and the Super Bowl and all this stuff. But the thing that should lead our lives is the finished work of Jesus. That's the thing that defines us. That is where we find our truest identity and everything else, whether you're boxers or briefs or whether it's In-N-Out or Wendy's or whatever your stuff is. The finished work of Jesus. I did say boxers of briefs, didn't I? That's all right. That's good. That's good. That's okay. That should not be the thing that defines us, praise God. Only the finished work of Jesus. That the Ark of the Covenant led the people. They were constantly aware of the fact that God's gracious provision goes before their lives. And for you and for me, that has to be what leads out in our lives. For many of us, we lead out with our brokenness, our failings. You know what's the funny thing about your brokenness and your failings? Jesus died and rose again and he forgave you of those. He separates them as far as you are as the east is from the west. Some of you lead out with your strengths. This is who I am. Jesus died on a cross for you because you needed it. No matter how strong you are in one area or the other. See, the finished work of Jesus needs to be the thing that leads out in our lives. That we put that out there first. That's who we are. We view ourselves not based on what our parents were or weren't. The brokenness and the garbage that went on in our lives. We lead out with the fact that Jesus is real. And he died and rose again. And nothing, no circumstances, that old him. The depths of hell or the schemes of man can never pluck me from his hands. We lead out with that because that's who we really are. Everything else is just a detail that God is redeeming anyway. Lead out with the Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat, the finished work of Jesus. And it's beautiful. Whenever the cloud moved, they moved. Whenever the... Ark set out. And it's awesome. Moses had a a prayer, a request, whether it set out or when it stopped. Every time they went to go out, what did Moses pray? Rise up, O Lord. Let your enemies be scattered and let those who hate you flee before you. Every time they went to go, Moses said, Lord, it's all about you. Take care of your business, Lord. How many of us need to pray a prayer like that when you go to leave the house in the morning? How many of you need to, before you go on your job, say, rise up, O Lord. Let your enemies be scattered. Let those who hate you flee before you. Now, know what I love about this prayer? It's not like, Lord, wipe them all out. We hate everybody. It's not that. He's saying, Lord, you be God and we trust you as we're leading out. We don't want to go unless you're going to go before us, God. And you got to realize this was a group of people who had been enslaved and now they're walking. You're, we're going to find that they're going to end up in the promised land. There's fortified cities. I mean, they were terrified. It was a much more brutal culture than what you and I are used to growing up in 21st century America. It was a much more violent culture than what we're even used to. Things were much more like the, the, the Wild West gunslinging kind of thing. Where wars happened and there was clan wars and revenge killings and all these things are going on. And they're saying, Lord, since we're going, rise up and protect your people. What a great, what a great way to be set out for your day. I do it with my kids. We put on the armor of God. It's so fun. We do it in the car sometimes. And we, so we're screaming in the car, you know, because they're going to school. I'm like, okay, let's put on the armor. We're going to put on the helmet of, and they're like, salvation, you know. We put on the breastplate of righteousness. And we make it real fun because they're kids. We put on the belt of truth, you know, and we're screaming. The feet shod. You guys know this, right? Ephesians 6, learn it. Feet shod with the gospel of peace and the shield of faith. And we've got the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then we end it with a go, Jesus. And it's like, it's on. The kids are ready to go to school. But you know what? I do that partially for them. I do it partially for me. Because I need the armor of God. I need all my thoughts to be defined by my salvation in Christ. Not the crazy stuff that goes on between this beautiful head inside there. The dreadlock. It's it's a deep well of mischief in there. And those of you who are on staff know this to be the case. You know, so I want that helmet of salvation. I want the finished work of God's redemption in my life to guard my thoughts. I need the breastplate of righteousness, which means rightness. God's righteousness that guards all of your most essential organs, don't they? The breastplate. All the big stuff is right in here. God's righteousness covering my heart, my lungs, my stomach. Praise God. The belt of truth. And an ancient Roman soldier, the belt is what held their whole, everything together. Their whole uniform was held together by the belt. For some of you guys, you had suspenders on that, you need a little extra support. But that's the idea. You want truth, holding it all together, because God's word is truth. And Jesus is the truth. that holds you together. And on your feet, you got the gospel of peace. The good news that God makes peace with people. We get the peace with God, and then we give out the peace of God. And everywhere we go, we are ambassadors of the gospel of peace. we got that shield of faith. Why? Because Satan's throwing fiery darts at people. And sometimes we like to throw them at ourselves because we're that sick. And that shield of faith, believing in God, believing that everything I think isn't the truth, believing that that's not, like when I hear a lie saying, oh, no, 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 my Bible tells me something different. And you block that thing with the shield of faith. And then, of course, you have the offensive weapon. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, not because you want to break people's, like Peter, you don't want to chop people's ears off with a Bible verse. Because don't forget, Jesus healed that, right? The word is offensive; it's an offensive weapon because the word of God fights against all the garbage. When all of a sudden you're like, "Man, God can't love me," you hear, "I'll never leave you, nor forsake you. I love you with an everlasting love." When we're all freaked out with worry, we hear Jesus say, "Don't worry." I clothe the lilies of the field. I feed the birds of the air. And how much more value of you than they? Oh, ye of little faith. You're like, okay, okay, don't worry. Everything that we struggle with, there is a verse that we either say, I'm going to go to battle against the leanings of my own heart with a verse. And then, of course, it goes on to the other offensive weapon is prayer, which isn't in the armor, but it is. It's kind of like, it's kind of like a subtle like ninja trick that they had. Because prayer, like prayer, is a whole other thing. Because prayer is like the long-range guns. I always think of prayer that way. I think of like when when a contemporary military goes to do an offensive. First, they bring in the air strikes. Why? Because it softens the city, so that when the infantry comes in, they don't get wiped out. That's what prayer is. Prayer is long-range guns. Where it's like you can be anywhere. You can be, you, you can be praying in Iraq right now, just getting in your heart and saying, Lord, I ask you to protect people there and you help people there and you thwart the work of the enemy there and all this stuff. You can be anywhere in the world in the distance it takes your knees to hit the floor. Powerful. But, brothers and sisters, we we need to think that way because I don't know about you, life's a battle. It's hard. And the stakes are high. And I'll be honest, Satan doesn't play nice either. He doesn't play nice. And so for them to pray, rise up, O Lord, scatter your enemies. And then when it stops, he says, return, O Lord, to the many thousands of Israel. When, when they stop moving, like, Lord, just be here. You're present. That's what that was. Return, O Lord. It's saying, Lord, just be here with us, Lord. Because they're not moving So Lord just rest upon us here Now I want to take the first three verses Of chapter 11 Because it leads us into Where we're going Really Because all this has been pretty good right It's been pretty solid They're doing what they're supposed to be doing Moses invites his brother-in-law along The thing starts moving They're praying good prayers And look what happens in chapter 11 Verse 1 it says now, when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, for the Lord heard it, and his anger was aroused, so the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some in the outskirts of the camp. Then the people cried out to Moses, and when Moses prayed to the Lord, the fire was quenched. So he called the name of the place Tabera, because the fire of the Lord had burned among them. And Tibera literally means burning. Now, the children of Israel are worried about the enemies they're going to see on the way. Let your enemies scatter, But you know who the real enemy is? Their own hearts. That's what we learn here. There are very real enemies on the outside, but there are very specific enemies in their own hearts. And look at what happens. All this stuff is great. God has done amazing things. And then it says... And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. Now, how many of you complained today? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm here to tell you in this generation, complaining is like a virtue in our generation, isn't it? It's like everyone feels justified that I can complain and my complaining, it's okay and it's not okay. My Bible says, do all things without what? Grumbling and complaining. And some of us just have a complaining spirit. And if you can't find something to complain about, you invent something to complain about. And I'm here to tell you, stop complaining. As I like to say, DBG, don't be grumpy. Because God is good. They're just starting to walk. They're just going. And all of a sudden, they start complaining. And God gets upset. We find that God brings judgment by fire now you might say to them to yourself why is god so angry about complaining you have to realize that the wages of sin in the bible is what death and jesus died on a cross for complaining see we think that it's like a small thing it's not a small thing It's an affront to the holy God of Israel. God had blessed them. He had his presence amongst them. But they're complaining. And God sends fire. And notice, the people cried out to Moses. And when Moses prayed to the Lord, the fire was quenched. So once again, you have this reality that the people, they don't cry out to the Lord. I don't know why. They go to Moses, and Moses prays. My friends, I'm going to leave us with a thought that is unsettling. But I think it's something that we need to think about is that the God of the Bible does work in violence. There's no way around it. You can't read your Bible and not realize that the perfect holy God of the Bibles at times brokers in violence. God is wild in that way. And I think what we have to remember, because I say that and I realize it's a provocative statement. I realize it's a very biblical statement. It's, I realize that for a lot of people, they don't even want to think about God using violence. But I think the reason we do not see the holiness of God in his violence is because we don't understand the holiness of God. I think we are so used to sinning that we forget what's at, real, what's at stake. That we're so given over to it by nature that we don't realize all that it costs Jesus. And if you really think about God brokering in violence, that cross, hands down, the most violent act in history. But it is also the nature of our redemption.
1: Jesus is... sometimes it feels just like getting out of bed in the morning is a battle. The truth is that you face a constant barrage of thoughts and situations that can tear you down and pull your focus away from the Lord. Today, Pastor Daniel encouraged you to cling to God and protect yourself with his armor. You learned that filling your mind with truth and turning to the Lord in prayer will help you stand firm amid the raging battle for your heart and attention. Join us again here on Jesus is Real Radio when you'll be reminded that the reason people believe in Jesus is because we need him. Pastor Daniel will share that just like the Israelites, we're all messed up. We're constantly making mistakes. That's why Jesus had to stand in the gap for you and be the ultimate sacrifice. This reality puts everyone on equal footing. We all need grace. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series, Wilderness. That's next time on Jesus is Real Radio.